You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. All right, welcome into the uh, Illini Inquirer podcast, and we get to talk about a big Illinois victory with our guy, our analyst, Jay Lehman, uh, as Illinois defeats Nebraska 30-22, to and Jay, you called it. I was still a little skeptical. I mean, it was a pretty close game, and, uh, you know, one or two plays away from, from Nebraska potentially stealing that victory, but um, what, what a great first vibe for the Brett Bieler era right and and uh, just what were your biggest takeaways just from you know what one win can do after a great offseason right you're feeling optimistic right going to follow that with a win I imagine in that building has to be big oh it's got to be electric I mean me and you are very accustomed to the August undefeated drink the Kool-Aid I mean that's all you've really had in Champagne for a decade or so and so we're accustomed that we're also very accustomed to being disappointed. Uh, I think number one, it felt like Nebraska was a typical Illinois team, right? Like everything they could do to lose a game, they pretty much did. That's not to take anything away from Illinois because part of the strategy is to make other people make mistakes. Right. And I want, I want to talk more on that later, but I want to finish this thought. Uh, number two is um, it was boring. Like as far as the, the style of play, yeah. like my dad comes home from the game. Right. And um, he says, boy, that was just boring. I was like, are you, are you what, what are you talking about? He's like, well, the, the style of play, the way they run the ball and stuff like that. I want to, you know, he's like, once this Mike white aired out stuff, he loves the eighties. But I said, dad, is Iowa football boring? Yes. Is Wisconsin boring? Yes. Minnesota, for the most part, pretty boring. Northwestern, really boring. How do you win football games in the Big Ten West? Boring football, running the ball, playing defense. I personally think it was boring. I just thought his comment was kind of funny. Because you know it ain't boring, Jay. Winning. Winning, winning, winning right? Yeah. Winning, wanting to win the game. And so you can obviously see that was the intention, right? to win the game. Although I thought Peterson did a good job of sprinkling some stuff in like the shot to span down the field. So those are the first, you know, two things. And, you know, the third thing I think is, is really just coaching. I think you could, I mean, we, I, I just, I can't even get into how many penalties we've had over the years, right? Silly penalties, um, uh, turnovers. We had that one with Navarro, uh, but, but I just thought game management, I thought, uh, using special teams as weapons. I thought taking shots when they needed to. Uh, the backup quarterback, I mean, I know Kelsey's got 15 starts under his belt, but that's pretty remarkable to beat a, to, to beat uh, you, you guy you've had number one in spring and camp all year goes down the first quarter. Talk about adversity. So many things we can touch on, but I think coaching, those are the big three things uh, that I could really hit on that I thought was, was really a tremendous job by Illinois. Yeah. And Jay, I think 
you know, that was my same thought as I'm watching Nebraska. I'm like, these are the mistakes that have cost Illinois uh, games that right. have kept, you know, could have made Lovey Smith's tenure. You know, he had four or five wins to his tenure. He's probably here. Uh, another right. year. And, and, you know, we can talk about the boring part of it, but like a lot of times it feels like in the Big Ten West, when you're not Ohio State and you're not, you know, Clemson and have these electric athletes everywhere, Alabama, um, it's, it's who makes fewer mistakes because the talent level is, is pretty close. Um, and it just feels like Illinois got in its way and, and Illinois let Nebraska get in their way, but they also took advantage of right. all those mistakes that Nebraska had, whether it was that huge penalty, Illinois didn't settle for a field goal. They, they scored a touchdown, which we know red right. zone has been a huge issue. Uh, Adrian Martinez misses some throws, uh, and, and coughs one up and you took advantage uh, of those things or taking a punt at the one as you're going backwards, Kirby Joseph's right there to make the tackle to get a safety right. and then get the ball back. Like, you know, you got to be able to take advantage of those things. And in Illinois, like other Big Ten West teams, did that against Nebraska. Well, you know, what's, what's interesting, let's just look from a big macro perspective here. Um, take out Ohio State, Penn State, and Michigan and how they've been able to have explosive teams at times, right? And you look at teams that have had success, they've all played the same style. We talked about Michigan State running the ball 40 carries, right? We got to 48 carries. You're going to win the time of possession. If you get to 40 carries, and we have to, I think it was 48 carries or rushes that Illinois had, uh, you're going to win the time of possession. And you're probably going to win the game. Okay, when Minnesota made a run two years ago, that's what they did. When Wisconsin's made a run, that's what they did. There's been no high-flying teams in the Big Ten in the modern era outside of that, really. I mean, really, we had Drew Brees, who was an anomaly at um, Purdue uh, 20 years ago, though right? I'm talking the last 15 years. Illinois, for that matter, was, our Rose Bowl years, was running the ball, right? Controlling the clock. I mean, that's how you have to do it if you're not a high-flying team. Uh, so, and you got to play defense. That, that That's another thing we, 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 we had issues with, right? And, and we will get, and, and I give Ryan Walters credit, you know, and Frost said, you know, they, they came out a little bit different than they thought they, thought they would. And that's why they're being so secretive, right? Less odd front, more even front. I mean, uh, it does mess up, you know, how you fit up the run game. But the biggest gamble that he took all week long or all game long, especially when Calvin Hart was healthy in the game, was that he let Hart spy on Martinez all the time, right? Schematically. It was and, – and he got some sacks on that. It's They call that a green dog. I'm spying him. I see it's a pass. I'm going to go and blitz, right? So he got a couple of green dog sacks, a couple of green dog pressures, but really bottled them up for the most part. Now, now, now here's the takeaway is the, – the drawback is I've got to be man-to-man on everybody else with one high safety, which is what they played the whole time. But not the whole time, but much of the time, I'm man-to-man with one high safety. There is no underneath help. So you see these, these crosser routes and, and, and some of these wheel routes and pick routes where the guy they missed Lear uh, was a lever uh, for the yeah. first quarter or second quarter. They missed him on that touchdown. And then they got called on the pick play, which is a big call uh, later in the game. And, and that was the, the gamble that Ryan Walters took. And for the most part, he was saying Martinez's legs are better than his accuracy. And he was right. And so I give Ryan Walters credit for that because that was his game plan the whole time. Yeah, Jay, I want to talk about the defense first. Um, not because there's a lot to talk about. You know, sometimes oh. we're struggling to talk with stuff, but you know, <laughs> not after this, not after we get the first peak, right? And and I think right. you and I 
like we kind of knew what Tony Peterson was going to run Brett Bielema offensively. And, and there were some, some interesting little, uh, you know, things they threw curveballs they threw out there. And I think you'll continue to see that, but like defensively, it was just how much can scheme matter? Cause I think you and I both knew like the Lovey Smith scheme with his talent was not working. It just year after year down yeah. to down, Illinois was just giving chunk yardage uh, and relying so much on, on takeaways, which we know can be fortunate. Um, so he was aggressive. Uh, he came out in a four man front. Uh, you know, we talked about how that could happen, even though they showed the, the very vanilla three man front, right. I think will be multiple week to week series to series potentially. But I, I think the biggest thing was saw so much man. And maybe that's just a thing with Adrian Martinez and, and wanting to spy him and not trust, you know, not thinking he's a great passer, but there was a lot of man coverage there, Jay. And, and there were some instances where they, they could have been taken advantage of with some of those pick routes, but they also got a ton of pressure uh, yeah, on Adrian Martinez. So what, what did you think about what Ryan Walters threw out there? Uh, and, and how much do you think this is a part of Illinois defensive identity now? Well, first off, we really haven't been able to get natural pressure in the Levy Smith era without without uh, contrived pressure, without bringing a fifth guy, right? So, um, one, just in general, I give them credit for sticking with it. They didn't get pressure early, but they got pressure as the game went on. Just like we didn't run the ball well early offensively, Illinois, but they stuck with it, right? Because that's who they are. And so, great for them for sticking to the game plan. I think what's interesting to note is – Martinez's big runs were on scrambles, much when Calvin Hart was out of the game, okay? Okay, that was where he got the majority of yards. We did not see the quarterback keep on the zone read be that successful. And, and that's a big thing that Ryan Walters had done well in the SEC with Missouri with some of his overhang, when I say overhang players, uh, basically that, that outside linebacker position and really taking away that quarterback run. They did a phenomenal job of that, right? And it allowed our inside linebackers to really play hard on the run, you know, inside, which really didn't get anything except for maybe one or two runs. And credit to, uh, you know, Roger Perry, uh, uh, Johnny Newton, I thought played well. Uh, Keith Randolph uh, played well, but very, very active, right? Um, so I thought up front they did well, and, and they warmed down. Really the second to the third quarter, they were in a groove. I think they, got, they, they wore out there in the two-minute drill a little bit later in the game. Uh, and they admitted that to even Carney and, um, you know, uh, gay wore out Seth Coleman showed some flashes for me. Um, but overall I liked it. They did some stunts up front to get some, some natural pass rush and whatnot. So I, I like the scheme. I thought he had a lot of faith. I think, uh, also on the back end Witherspoon, Devin Witherspoon is a star in the making. I mean, um, a couple plays, even the last play of the game was tremendous, honestly. The one where he's tracking back, looks back, and makes the play. He almost picked one. Uh, more, I'm surprised they didn't review that play. If you look at the tape, yeah. he was close to getting his hand under that all the way, uh, although the announcers didn't think so. He made a great play on the goal line. So I think Witherspoon and the length of Witherspoon kind of kind of reminds me of Nate Hobbs playing like Nate Hobbs should always have played that never did play like. So that's that's kind of my take on on the defense right now. Obviously, Hart played well and the Hanson was solid. Yeah, I, I wanted to ask you, uh, well, Devin, it's just uh, last year he just really stood out to me, uh, Jay, because I know the defense was so bad, but he went up one-on-one -on -one and got interceptions against Rashad Bateman and Bo Melton. And I just went, wow, that that's that's pretty impressive. Uh, and he's also been physical, even though he's always been like 170 pounds. But I want to ask you about 
you know, CJ Hart goes down with the injury and sounds like we'll find out what it is. Brett Bielma said today they're waiting tests, so it's probably something more serious. Uh, but what did you see from him whenever he's able to get back out on the field? And, and what did you think about how those linebackers play? Because it did feel like they just they were free to, to, to move in this defense. Well, we, did, we didn't see the offensive line, which for Nebraska, which isn't the most experienced offensive although Cam Jerkins you know, has quite a bit of experience their center. We didn't see them climb to the second level nearly as well. And, you know, when we saw the game tape uh, of, you know, when they're in the, what they call the alumni zone, the 40 to the 40, you can really get a good view of the, who gets the push on the offensive and defensive line. I thought offensive line for Illinois, we got the push for the most part in the run game. There was some, especially on the left side. I thought defensive line wise, we got the push up front and it allowed the linebackers to flow. Um, I, I experienced this as a senior where I felt like our D line, my junior year wasn't quite as, as, you know, as stout as they were. And I had to make more plays. Hanson had to make more plays last year. I don't think Hanson will make the amount of plays he has to make. Cause I just think they're more stout all over. Right. So that's not because Hanson's is not a good player. It's just, it's they're more round, more well-rounded defense, you know? And I think him and Hart played very well. I think Hart, adds that flash of explosiveness and athleticism that they needed there. Uh, the ability to rush the passer, um, uh, the, the awareness to, to scoop and score. I hope he's okay. Um, what's interesting to me is that of all the positions that got hurt, we do have depth at linebacker. I mean, Tolson and Barnes got some good experience there. I don't know if they're as good as Hart, but it shows the ability to get good players out of the transfer portal that can play right away. And uh, I think Hart was probably one of the best examples of that. I want to ask you about the back end as well, because I thought, you know, they tackled really well, Jay. But there were that, those few instances uh, where you saw Nebraska receivers pretty open and, and Adrian Martinez missed them. So is that just a product of the pick plays? A couple of them were set by the refs who, who got banged up in this sure. game. Um, are, are you concerned at all about, you know, the secondary losing some guys? Uh, week, week one, no, I'm not. Uh, and number two, first off, you can't expect a guy in college to cover a guy in man coverage more than three seconds. It's just what it is. it's less in the NFL. Um, number two, remember the way that Walters played it is he gave up Hart to spy. Okay. So Hart is not is, is, is spying Martinez. He's actually not helping anybody underneath. So in true, what we call man free coverage, you know, there's usually four receivers you know, out, there's usually six defenders and you have one, one low hole player, a linebacker, one high hole player, a safety. They just had one high hole player, which was the safety, usually Sidney Brown in that, in that case. And I thought they played well. Uh, they ran the pick play twice before that got away with it. Okay. And, um, you know, w- wasn't called. I'm sure Bielema and some other ones had said, Hey, there, that's a pick. Uh, it was a pretty obvious pick on the, on one, where they call it because he didn't turn his head to look for the ball um, for that wheel route down uh, the sideline late in the game. Uh, so I, I think I'm not concerned about that. One time they lost step, the running back, uh, you know, on the, and that's easy to do. Uh, and they lost on the fourth down play. That was a weird, just a weird set of downs near the end, right? The fourth down play that two of the defenders just got overly excited, young football players, you know, 
man coverage, don't take your eyes off your man. Don't go to the quarterback who's going to just throw it over your head, which they did. That, that was two blown coverages, and that, that was bad. And, and that was fourth down. I'm not sure anybody knew that was fourth down because uh, yeah, you know, they, the they didn't the game figure it out until right? it was fourth, fourth down either. So uh, that was a weird, a weird series. But at the end of the day, I think it's all cleaned up. I think they played way more man coverage than I thought they would. Um, tells me that they feel like they got more dogs than they thought they had I mean, in the back end. They feel like they can match up better than they thought. And I think Witherspoon's, I mean, I think he could be a top 100 pick. I really do. And when I look at his length, I look at his instincts, the way he breaks in the football, his ball skills, you know, he probably had two or three breakups that game alone, almost a pick, and really just took away their receivers. I mean, he was not really, he was really an eraser on the field. So I was impressed by the way he played. Yeah, uh, I actually asked Ryan Walters about that. Like, you have to have faith. You have to have a lot of confidence in your your DBs and your pass rush to to go that much man. He said, based on what I saw in camp, I felt like I had the players to do it, and and, ba- and based on what Nebraska had. So I think it all worked uh, out pretty well for them. But just something we haven't seen in a long time, sure. Jay. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League twenty four seven. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new twenty four hour streaming channel serving nonstop goals highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. Okay, let's let's focus on the offensive side of the ball now. Um, what was your biggest – I mean, obviously, Art Sikowski comes in, so let's start with him. Um right. Felt like he was kind of a Wisconsin quarterback. I thought Rock Heward kind of hit it on the head, right? Like it was, they didn't ask him to do much flashy, but when he got that one opportunity and one-on-one coverage, he hit Deuce Span of all people. Um, I thought Tony Peterson used Isaiah Williams in a creative way, but uh, there were a couple throws where, where it was like, hey, that, that looks pretty good. Uh, right. But most of all, I just felt like he was poised and outside of the pick that got called back, like he made right. good decisions. So they don't ask a lot out of these guys, right? And I thought, Right. Art looked like a competent guy out there. I mean, the biggest knock on Sitkowski was the, the interceptions in his career, right? Now, he, you know, last year, I mean, he, he's gone like 80 throws in a row or something without throwing a pick. That first pick, he, early on, he looked jittery, right? He got a sack. We can, I think we got all agree the turning point of the football game was really the, uh, you know, the, the penalty on Tanner, uh, you know, the late hit. Not, not the late hit, but he drove him into the ground roughing the passer. And then it was a 30, you know, took away the pick and whatnot. And after that, he settled in really good. And I think what's, they didn't ask him to make any many difficult throws. I thought he actually gained some confidence in the two minute drill before the end of half. I know Navarro fumbled, but when I saw him, you know, he had hit Isaiah Williams and, you know, he had hit some other people, but when I saw him hit Donnie Navarro on that curl route, I thought, okay, that's a that's a big 10 throw that you need to make to win games. Now I know Navarro fumbled and that's neither here nor there, but I thought he had built confidence there, right? So it's like I wonder what the next next half looks like. And I think the the drive of the game was to start out the the, the third quarter, right? We haven't seen a drive like that against a big 10 opponent uh for, for years. I mean, eight plus minutes, seven or more players. We saw inside outside runs. We saw passes. And I, and I give Peterson credit as well with his ability to not get overly conservative, but still take some shots and still throw the football. And so uh, I give him a lot of credit. 
Yeah, I, I agree with that throw because he really drove into that one, had a lot of heat on it. And, right. Uh, yeah, just good footwork and all of that. And I, I love the hit a play action where he rolled out and hit Isaiah Williams. I'm like, that's that's a Big Ten throw. So you know he's got the physical ability to do it. But now now you got a whole team preparing for him. Like, wh- what are you looking for next out of Art Sitkowski as you go into this UTSA game? Well, I think I think the the big question is um, you got to heat him up, right? And you got to bring pressure. But what's interesting is that Illinois, to combat that pressure, number one, they've got. So, as a D lineman's perspective, we used to have a thing where we, we if, if I knew it was a pass, I would tell the, the the D lineman green, 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 which basically means go, go, go. You have no run gaps, and and that can basically make the game fifty percent easier for a D lineman, right? Because the D lineman has to keep, we hear this line gap integrity. Most people have no clue what that means. It means that you're responsible for a gap. And that if you get out of that gap and the guy runs through that gap, you had a missed assignment. And so the big deal I talk about is if you can make it so that you can run and pass, it makes it very difficult for a D lineman to get a great get off. And what Illinois did, they stayed on schedule, right? And so staying on schedule is great, but they have a lot of little uh, safety valves for a, for a quarterback. Like Isaiah Williams is a great little slot receiver for a young quarterback. Luke Ford is a great safety valve, right? I mean, the power pass was the first play. Love the call. So power pass is basically, it looks like power to the linebacker. You'll see the, 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 the guard pull. The linebacker comes up. You dump it right behind him. It's an old Rutgers play when Greg Shannon was there the first term. They love that with Clark Harris at, at tight end and Ray Rice at running back. They would fake the power. And what they would dump it right over your head. They actually ran it twice more. But the problem is, is it's hard to protect. I lose a guard on one side, and then that tackle has a short edge, which leads that defensive end one man closer to get to your quarterback, right? So they got to learn how to protect that. Uh, again, I get off on tangents. You asked me one question, but what do you do? Hello. I think you're going to see more uh, short passes. I think you'll see Art Sikowski out of the pocket. And I think, too, they got burnt a little bit uh with nebraska not expecting boot so we saw the safety come off the edge and not play boot at all get a tackle for loss on a third and short i think you'll you'll see more boot and keep more people honest and whatnot remember this is a guy that's probably taken i don't know uh a quarter of the reps let's just say he probably you don't get equal reps okay so he has and he just got here in may we should see some big improvement from this week to the next week based on just getting the reps and whatnot. Yeah. And I think that big 10 experience gives him a little poise. He's, 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 sure. he's had been the lowest in the big 10. I think he's, he's obviously a breath of fresh air here uh, at Illinois. And, and, and Brett Bioma did say Brandon Peters, uh, no structural real damage to, to that arm. And um, he said, uh, he's not ruling him out this week though. He, he sounded like, Hey, probably not going to play this week, but if Brandon Peters isn't out for a while, that'd be interesting to, to see what happens. Cause, cause Ark did bring a little bit of a, uh, uh, I mean, he's a vocal guy. If you ever right. meet him, Jay, he's, he's a vocal guy. So that, that's that's a conversation for another week. But um, what did you think about Isaiah Williams and the way they used him? Because they just haven't had that piece in a while. Like I, I kept in the offseason, you know, you want to compare him to like maybe a Rondale more, but Rondale's special, right? He's a wide receiver. Right. Um, I, I thought like he's a Wandale Robinson. They used him, it, it felt like to me, kind of like Nebraska had with Wandale. Yeah, I mean, you have to more so you have to wear, wear the number one, right? Because Wandell were number one, right? I feel like you got to be really good to wear number one. But um, so that being said, I 
I kept waiting for them to use him like that in the game. And they finally let it loose in the second and third quarter. He really lets us stretch the defense east and west, which is great, right? So I think that's phenomenal as far as running the football, as far as his quick out routes. Um, he did have one drop, but he seems to be, uh, the way he catches the ball, From what I, he, he doesn't seem to be awkward. He yeah. seems to be a natural pass catcher from, from what I can tell. And, um, you know, he is six inches away from making an incredible juke to get into the end zone. I mean, really, I mean, he made people just miss all left and right. I mean, it, he makes somebody miss in a phone booth. So I think he's, he's, he's great. I wouldn't be surprised to see him get two or three more quarterback runs to spell Sitkowski a little bit uh, here uh, during the next game or two, uh, you know, cause I, I, they showed a little bit of that. I wouldn't be surprised to see him on some of these reverses where it turns into a reverse pass, hmm. you know? I, so remember he's a former quarterback, right? I know everybody's a former quarterback. He actually played in college as quarterback. So I think there's a lot you can throw in there and he's a guy, you got to know where he's at all the time. Yeah. Um, I think the run game is what we thought it would be Jay, right? Right. I mean, it, it was Mike Epstein, Chase Brown was dinged up and, but you have another guy you can throw in there and when healthy, we know he's good. The Reggie Love had some really good runs in the fourth quarter to, to kind of ice that game. Um, but the one, the one concern I did have, like we know Luke Ford can be really good. Uh, the, the other receivers, the perimeter guys, Brian Hightower out with a soft, soft tissue injury, Jafar Armstrong wasn't in there. You didn't really have a guy that you felt like could stretch the field, get separation, and then here comes Deuce Span on a random play and, and hits it. Um, but I do feel like outside of Isaiah Williams and Donnie Navarro, like that, that receiver room, do you have a guy who can kind of stretch the field a little bit? Um, and, and maybe that that comes up later on. But well, you know, um, what's interesting to me is you know obviously the 2001 team was back and Deuce Span wearing number six looked like Brandon Lloyd. Like I was saying, that was like a Brandon Lloyd esque catch, right? What he is number six, too. right? Or number five. He's number six. Yeah. What, what a throw by Art, too. I call it the Art Dart. The Art Dart. I mean, that, that's pretty phenomenal. I, lo I love that one. I mean, I think Brock Hewitt's had hit the cereal box or something. like. Some, I mean, it was literally, it was a dime. Like, it was like freshly minted, you know, FDR dime for sure. I mean, and so, like, I saw that thing and I was like, wow. And, and what a call at that time of the game by Peterson. And I, I give Peterson a lot of credit for, for keeping on the gas. Um, you know, but still chewing clock. It felt like a very Wisconsinish game. My gosh, it felt like, man, if you were in Nebraska, you could see your possessions ticking away, you know? Um, so yeah, but getting back to the receiver question, I, I want to, I want to get the ball to Donnie more. I think Donnie's solid. I'm not going to hold the fumble against him. I don't think you have a lot of guys that can stretch it. Now, Deuce kind of stretched it, I guess. Uh, so he might be a pleasant surprise. Isaiah's going to be that slot guy. Ford's going to be a tight end. I think they could use DJ Barker split out more. Yeah. Um, he was quiet, wasn't really targeted. But, you know, you also had a new quarterback in there. And so it, it wouldn't be surprising to me if Sitkowski had one or two reads and that was it, you know. Um, so we, we got to find somebody. I know that's a priority for them to find that guy. You, you know, who looked really fast and who didn't get a ton of reps at DB was Eddie Smith. When you saw him chase down Calvin Hart, who uh, Hart is a you know, good speed for a linebacker. It just looked like he moved. He looked like, an, he looked like an Alabama player. Right. So that, that, that's what it looked like. So I don't know. Do you take somebody over from that side and say, Hey, we, we got to have something that can run. 
it's probably too late to do that now. Uh, but just trying to spitball my mind what they could do. Yeah, Kamari Thompson might be a guy to watch there. Uh, 6'2", 220, really fast, straight line. Just not don't know how refined he is as a receiver, but he played a lot of reps the other day. Um, what, what did you think about Tony Peterson overall? I thought the offensive line struggled early, Jay, but I thought second half, especially Doug Kramer, uh, got, got after it um, right. and kind of played the way you'd expect this Illinois offensive line to play. Well, I like Kramer's attitude. I think he's a true Big Ten center. Uh, I'm going to give uh, – Pelcho a pass on this game because I just think that's his first real game speed action between getting getting hurt. You know, I think it was like nine months ago, eight months ago, you know, he got hurt. And so I think he's only going to get better. We know that Pelcheski is going to be good. And, you know, he, he and Ford kind of sprung that big first run. Uh, but I think it was very obvious at the left side, but Darian Lowe and was it Jarosati or was it Pilstrom? Jarosati. Yeah. Jarosati. Uh, you know, really made some hay. And, and what happens when you have those tight ends in there is it just, and then they all move in one direction. It just gets wide in a hurry, right? There's some wide bodies. And if you're not careful as a defender, you can find yourself running with them. And then you saw Reggie Love put his foot in the ground, cut back. You saw Epstein put his foot in the ground, cut back. And you get soft. And so, it's hard as a defender to, man, I got to get on my horse and get downhill vertical on these guys. And initially they were able to do that. We saw the front line, uh, you know, make some plays. I thought, um, who's 44 for them. Was that, that's, uh, not, was that Caleb Tanner? I'm not sure. What, yeah. not, whoever 44 was, he about knocked out both our quarterbacks. He knocked out, uh, uh, Peters and almost knocked out Sikowski, but, he was a menace, right? And uh, they, they made some plays that were difficult for us. Uh, but that being said, I thought they improved as the game went on. And the body blows did, they, they did seem to matter later on in the game, right? Uh, you know, and uh, credit to Illinois for picking up one first down as well uh, in that four-minute drill. There were so many different categories. I mean, two-minute drills, four-minute drills, adversity, quarterback going out, special teams. It really was a good teach tape. Yeah, and I thought Reggie Love had an awesome run, uh, about five or six yards after contact to, to get that first nine-yard carry. And that that just that, – that's three timeouts on the drain there for, for Nebraska right away in, in a I minute mean, of if time. If you're going to run, you want to you want you want a nine-yard gain on first down. You don't want the first down, right? <laughs> you you want to go down. And you know, Epstein was smart. He got down on one of his runs as well. Yeah. I mean, they, they just made smart – plays right they were just they were smart they and, and they didn't make a stupid place and, and i think it's also and this is a theory that i have and this is probably pretty anecdotal but you watch a lot of football so i'll throw it by you it just seems to me that play that teams that play this style make less mistakes and teams that yeah. play the you know rod smith offense or the scott frost offense the spread let's hurry up let's go you know uh, let's make the defense tired. They're just more prone to mistakes. And maybe they're not if you get to the high, high levels like, you know, Ohio State or whatever. But it just seems to me that if those teams make more mistakes than the other teams. Yeah. And I mean, so we saw that, right? Isaiah Williams said after the game, we're a smarter team. And they they constantly say, hey, we knew this moment. We knew what this position was. And, and you mentioned like Mike Epstein in the past, it felt like, an Illinois player would have ran out of bounds. 
right? It just right. that would have happened. So that's that's a good sign for the coaching staff and and for Illinois fans to know that you know that's been in, ingrained in their minds. All right, Jay. Now you got to flip the script. Uh, I think the players do a better job of this than fans, but not looking over, overlooking a UTSA team that made a bowl game last year. Great first year under Jeff Trailer. Returns twenty one of twenty two starters. Just what do you think is the key uh, to to follow this up? Stack wins uh, and really get some good momentum going into a, a huge road game at Virginia. I mean this. This would be the the trap game, as they like to say, uh, of anything on the season. So, what what do you think is key for the team going into this one? Well, first off, I, you know, we heard about the twenty four hour rule. I think for Illinois fans, it's got to be like the seventy two hour rule. We've got to celebrate. We have so many, so few wins. We need to celebrate for three yeah. days. Okay, so we're going to continue to celebrate. We're going to continue to read every article the two four seven and Jeremy Warner puts out, and just you know, we we can't eat up. Even, even I recorded like. You know, I, I looked at the press conference like uh, after the game. I was, I actually was that excited, right? I mean, that's been years since I've done that. Okay. Um, and he's an entertaining press conference. So great, a great. A little bit different than the past. Right? The sweating comment and everything was great. I saw that tweet. But um, I admittedly, I've never watched UTSA in a live game on film. I'll do some looking at them. But I think anytime you have a veteran team uh, that's played that much, shoot, anything can happen. And the longer you let a team like that stick around, the more confidence that they get. And I, I, I think at the end of the day, if Illinois can run the ball, they're going to win this game because they'll be able to dominate up front. It, that, that's the key, right? Because if they can run the ball 40 times, they're going to control the clock. I know they have a dynamic running back. Uh, he's got a cool name. Was like sincere something or something? Yeah. He's sincerely good. And so um, I think that's a new challenge because we didn't have to really stop a running back, more of a quarterback. Um, and so, but here's the, do I, they've already scouted these guys for a bunch. Now the element of surprise is gone for Illinois, but they also have one game under their belt. That's a huge advantage in my opinion to play in UTSA. Like, I think that's a huge advantage, right? Like, I love it. Nebraska was first, so we could have this element of surprise, build the confidence there, now that you win, and now you're playing UTSA in week two, or week one, rather, but the second game for Illinois. So I think, again, as boring as it sounds, it comes to running the football, right? Um, UTSA is not going to be good enough to beat us without making without us making a bunch of mistakes. Agreed. Yeah, I, I think that's a perfect way of putting it. Well, Jay Lehman, 1-0. Uh, Brett Bielma, honeymoon period continues. Uh, very deserving plaudits after that one. I thought the coaching staff had their team prepared. Uh, they executed pretty well. Uh, a couple things to clean up. But uh, if your dad thought it was boring, uh, I think a lot of fans would take a lot more boring football. Well, that's what I told him. I said, you had so much stuff that happened in that game. He's like, no, but the style of play. I said, that's how you win games, you know? So it was just, it was just kind of funny that that he would say that and you know he's just I think like a lot a lot of Illini fans they see the Mike White era as this or they see Mike Leach and say we should do this and guys we are in Central Illinois we got to get the right players to play the style of play to win the Big Ten West let's not get ahead of us we've tried a lot of experience experiments the last ten years none of which have worked out well which have led us to this point. Which have worked out better than everything else we've seen so far. Wins are better than style points, I would say that. Right. Jalen, you're the goods. Talk to you next week, man. Yeah, bud.
Man, I love talking ball with Jay Lehman. I hope you guys do, too. It's going to be a treat every week to, to chat with him. And VIP members, the chat didn't stop there. Um, I know you guys got to see it last week. I think we improved upon it this week. I did a video breakdown with Jay that VIP members can get, uh, breaking down Ryan Walter's defense. And I love just going over these plays slowly, uh, kind of slow-mo, you know, go back on the rewind button. And, and we're hammering things out about how to, how to do that better and better. But we did it on Zoom this week, and I think it was even better. Uh, just to have Jay commentary over the defense and what they are doing and what they're trying to accomplish and why they were successful certain plays and maybe why uh, we went over one play that didn't work out so well for Illinois, but uh, Adrian Martinez wasn't able to take advantage of it. So if you're a VIP member, that's another huge perk is, is Jay gives us some of his time to, to break down some of this film, about 15 minutes of it. And uh, for you really football-y X's and O's, you want to understand the game a little bit more. Uh, you know, I've written some pieces and, and I watched some film and I know a little bit about football but not nearly as much as Jay. So that, that's part of the reason I want to tap him. So, you know, I can get smarter at football. You can get smarter at football and understand why things happen on the field, why coaches do this, or why a play went right or why a play didn't. Um, and I think it's just valuable for us as fans to learn a little bit from a guy like Jay who's got so much great knowledge. So I'm really happy about how that's turning out, and I thought this week went really well. Uh, so check that out in the coming days coming up at Illini Inquirer. We did chat with uh, Brett Bielema, Tony Peterson, and Ryan Walters today. Learn more about uh, Brandon Peters. Um, sounds like, as I told Jay, uh, he could be week to week here, uh, which is obviously better than what you know some had feared. C.J. Hart, no, you know, real definitive answer there. Uh, Brett Bielema waiting on results for him. So sounds like it could be a, a serious, more serious injury there, um, which is a shame after you know such a, a great performance in his Illini debut. But we'll wait word. Sounds like Jafar Armstrong might not be that far away. Brian Hightower sounds like he is out for uh, a, a decently significant amount of time, though not a season-ending injury, a soft tissue injury. Sounds like it was a, a leg injury um, that they feared could be bad. Uh, but might be a little bit better than I thought. And Marquez Beeson could make his season debut this weekend as well, Brett Bielma said. So it seems like his recovery from that hamstring injury uh, sped up a little bit more than they thought it would. So that's good news on that front. Injuries happen. That's why depth is so important. And that's why adding a guy like Art Sikowski was so important uh, during the offseason. And, and another tidbit from Brett Bielma today is that Ryan Johnson, or this was Tony Peterson, Ryan Johnson, the D2 transfer from Northern Michigan, uh, who's a walk-on this year, he's the third guy. Uh, maybe Matt Robinson can beat him out and practice in a week, but they seem pretty confident in Ryan Johnson, who's played a lot of football uh, in college, just at the D2 level and not the D1 level. So check out all the uh, information we got up there. Joey's working through the coordinator quotes, coaches quotes. He'll have those up there. Uh, the VIP video breakdown with Jay Lehman. And of course, we'll get you ready for UTSA. Not an opponent Illinois should take lightly. Though you do feel pretty good uh, about their process and, and how the coaches prepare these guys for games after the one game of sample size that we have. Seems pretty encouraging moving forward. So now you stack wins and see where you can go with this season that uh, obviously a lot more hope and, and a lot more energy with this program, or I guess surrounding the program, because they've been pretty uh, high on what Brett Bielema has added. And, and to see it all play out that way is really, really encouraging uh, if you're an Illini observer. All right, always appreciate listening to the podcast. Give us a follow wherever you get your podcasts. Rate us, review us, 
We always appreciate that and it helps us out. And don't forget, you can sign up for a VIP subscription at any time for $1 for your first month. If you want to see that Jay Lehman VIP breakdown, uh, just sign up for a dollar and you can try that out. And if you don't like it, you can cancel in a month and then move on. But I think you'll like uh, being a part of it and, and getting all the content that we bring at Alana Inquirer. I also got a lot of football recruiting updates uh, to, to get through. Um, this, these weekends, man, are just, are just crazy. Going to a high school football game, going to a, a college game, covering all of that, uh, watching the film the next day, uh, then the press conference on Monday, and then you're like, oh, I got all this other stuff I have to get to as well. So keeping us busy, but it's awesome compared to where we were a year ago at this time. Also, before I get out of here, I uh, just had some really, really sad news today. Um, Jim Cotter, who I've known on the beat, has been on the beat, I think, as long as I have, um, passed away suddenly and unexpectedly. And um, the one thing I'll say about Jim is, you know, he's so into local sports, you know, very involved in St. Joseph Ogden, um, you know, community over there. And um, he was just always so kind. And I, I hope... You know, if he hears this somewhere, I hope, like, don't, isn't that what we all want to know? Um, is that I, I wish people, I probably should have told him this, but hopefully he knew it. Um, that when you're gone, people say, man, just what a nice guy. And and that's what Jim Cotter was. Every, every time you met him, was, hey, Jim, what's going on, man? And he just wanted to talk about football or most importantly, he wanted to talk about his family and, and his three kids. And, and you could tell he just loved going to football games with his kids or going to events for his kids. Um, and he loved talking about their successes on, on Saturday. I know I, I didn't talk to him personally about this, but he was bragging about um, one of his sons had about three tackles for loss in a game. And, and he couldn't stop talking about it. And he's just a good man. He was just a very, very good man. And, and I'm just so sad for his family um, and his kids. And my prayers and thoughts are, are with them. But Jim was such a kind man um, and loved his family. So it was a sad day um, for us on the beat. And I'll miss Jim. Uh, he was a good dude. Every, every time you saw him, it was, I think everybody liked Jim. I don't think anybody would say a bad word about Jim. And uh, that's the highest compliment I can give him. So whenever something like this happens, obviously, you know, I, I was thinking right away to my kids, hug him. You hug them harder. It's a reminder of how fragile this whole thing can be and, and how quickly it could all change. Um, so I'm just going to hug my kids a little tighter today, tell them I love them. And uh, Jim, we loved you too, man. Um, just prayers to his family. So everybody take care of each other. Jim did. Um, and man, and have a great day. And uh, hug your loved ones. Rest in peace, Jim. <laughs>